What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? It's that time of the day, that time of the week, that time of the month. Yes, it is. I always love when I say Brand that. Brand new month, baby. You know, so, you know damn well people shudder a little bit when I say that. Yep. I'm Big Papa. And I'm Jeff. You listen to the good. The band. And the ugly. Look at that. Look at that. It's Almost a new like, year. It's a new season. I know. Even though we just had Jeff Gordon on. That's okay. Last week. I hope that everybody realizes we recorded that. I know. We've been on a three-week hiatus. Yeah. Holy shit. That's okay. Dude. Sometimes a break is needed. Yeah, I couldn't stand your coffee breath anymore. I know. I just needed to bring it on. <laughs> So things are, yeah. You, you want to go there? No. You want to go oh, there? Oh, oh, wait, no. Yeah, all right. You remember what happened last time. I do. That's right. Mm-hmm. Don't eat grilled cheese right before all a right. show. Uh, so how you guys doing? We are really excited. We have another local, uh, previously local yeah. celebrity with us today. Yeah. Um, this gentleman has done all kinds of great stuff in music. He's mm-hmm. gone into not only playing, but been a great journalist. He's yep. He reps some some great uh, instruments. Yes. Uh, so we're going to let him tell you all about that. But let's uh, let's give a good band and the ugly welcome to Mr. Two. Rich Mangicaro or Caro. Is it Caro? Hey guys. Is hey it Rich Mangicaro or Mangicaro? You know, it depends on what part of my family you ask. Ha! Ah, <laughs> I like that. It, growing up, it was Mangicaro, but. Um, in Italy, they it's pronounced Mangiacaro. See, okay, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, my sisters still say Mangiacaro. Actually, well, they can't go um, to Italy, right? What does my What does my cousin John say? Mangiacaro or Mangiacaro? I don't know. Pro- probably well, Mangiacaro. I yeah, because hmm. his sister says Mangiacaro, right? His, I'm so so funny. It just depends on where how they pronounce it in the family. What part uh, of Italy is your family from? My dad was born in Calabria. He was born in um, in Reggio Calabria, a oh, nice. little village in the mountains there. Yeah, yeah, that's not too yeah. far. I'm I'm part Calabrese. I'm okay, Calabrese and Sicilian. So oh. my other side of my family came from Santa Cusa, Sicily. So that was a real oh. that was a real big I'm stretch. Going. Have you been there? I have not. I'm going this year. I can't wait. I've never been. He's going yeah, with so you. Yeah, you, I don't know if you, you didn't know that, right? <laughs> oh, see, that was part of the second guest of the year, right? Uh, contract honoree, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's either uh, meet up at Nam or or take me to take Italy. Me to Italy. <laughs> yeah. Screwed that one up. <laughs> Wait, which one costs more? They're about the same. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um. So, t- we know you're from Syracuse. Our listeners, yeah, we don't. do. They we don't. do. They don't. Um, yeah. Originally from East Syracuse. And right. then went to school at JD. Right. Back in the 45, 46. Uh. <laughs> wow. Not that old. This Don't has been me. the shortest interview ever. Rich, it was great to meet you. you um, see, <laughs> but see, now he, he everything else is just yeah, it is it's too. gravy. Yep. He's like, no. No. <laughs> you dick. It was God. in the 70s. Um, so, yeah, so you went there. And uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your history with, uh, the Syracuse. with Syracuse and music. Back, you know, I was my my parents moved from East Syracuse when I was like, you know, freshman in high school. We ended up like uh, going to to uh, Dewitt. I ended up finishing high school last three years at JD, so that's where I went to high school. But I was I was playing in bands when I was a kid. You know, I mean, back when I was really young, there was a band I put together 
um, when I was like 16 or 17, it was kind of right when the TV show Happy Days aired and it was called Rocky and the Roller, Big Rocky and the Rollers. It was a greaser band yeah. that I had. Nice. So, cool. I mean, back then, you know, we actually had a little single that we recorded and we played in, you know, school dances and shit like that, you know. Um, and then, um, and then uh, I jump ahead to a few years later, I ended up in a band actually with a couple other guys from Syracuse called Strombecker Lighthouse. And I think Dave Rezik was our manager. I'm trying to remember, but... Uh, there's a name we haven't heard. DMR is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. He was our he was he managed this. Okay. But this is oh, wow. Th th not that long lasting, but that I was in the first rendition of that band, and then I left, and some other guys came in and did it. But there was a bass player named Paul Rush who's still in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. um, but um, and then I just went to to college. I went to OCC my first you know, a couple of years of music school. And then I went to Syracuse University for two years of music school for music performance. And I never really finished it because <laughs> I does? ended up getting an offer to go on the road. And I went on the road for five years and, and I ended up going back to college to finish in the, you, in the eighties. You can, if you're in a musical path, I don't, you know what? I, I don't even want to just say music. I'm going to say broadcasting. Oh yeah. Uh, anything to do with entertainment. Once you get, you if you get a break, then you're like, why am I going to do this anymore? Right, I'm doing it. You know, I um, I left college early to go because I got hired by NTQ, and I was like, well, 93Q hired me. They're one of the, they're a hundred thousand watt station. What do I need to keep doing this for? Because oh, yeah. you know, and then uh, and we had some people as. Like Jason Pittner from oh, yeah. from Overkill, from Overkill, drummer for Overkill, and, and, and Shadows Fall. And I'm sure he's been in sure. drumming magazines and yep, uh, three time Grammy nomination. Yes. He left uh, Juilliard. Ju yeah, uh, you know, no oh, Berkeley. Yeah, he said it wasn't for him though. Was it Berkeley? It was Berkeley. I think it was. Yeah, he left Berkeley because he was like, you know, first first mm -hmm. first year was like, okay. Second year was like oh, I can I'm, I just got it I got called up to the big leagues yeah. you know so yeah. I think it's uh, it's not uncommon. So Rich, who did you, yeah. who who did you go on the road with for five years? It was cover bands. It was like oh, hotel okay. hotel circuit. You know, bullshit. Gotcha. Was that through you know? through Dave Marisnik or no no that was another actually there was a the first thing was a singer. His name was Dave Julian I think he was like a lounge singer kind of guy and i was the drummer for him and then i and then the band his band ended up like saying we don't like him anymore <laughs> so we ended up forming <laughs> our own thing <laughs> and went out and did our own stuff you know, right then we played all over the place uh so it was just that kind of thing until i kind of did that right up until i moved to california um so yeah so back then it was the band owns a community van yeah. playing gig to gig booking your own shit Handling your yeah. own money, praying the PA is going to be okay. My God, it's the Blues Brothers. No, it's like everything. They <laughs> have. Dude, let me tell you something though. That you could do it back then, yeah, and make a living doing it. Right. It was you busted your asses. No, did. But but the the hotel circuit was was not a bad gig. No. And I know Dave. That's what Dave's claim to fame. He did a lot of that up and down the throughway. Um, yeah. And my uncle was he was he was with Dave when with Ivory, and they went 
um, Joey DeFeo played keyboards, and I forget Terry's last name was bass. And uh-huh. uh, but they went up and down. They they played as much as they really wanted. They, right. I think they played three four nights a week. Um, yeah, we were playing all the time. I, was, I mean, almost five years of just pretty busy, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure yeah. that was. Uh, we we could go. We could do a whole show on just up and down the thruway circuit, just the seventies. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, we just you know we went. We were east coast up to out to Michigan and back. That's basically where we were, but uh, it got t- tiring after oh, a while. God, I'm <laughs> sure. Imagine. So so you yeah. do that gig for a while, and then what brought you back off the road to to find some other venue, or did or did you go from that to somebody? hearing you and saying, Hey, come on over to do this. No, actually from there, I ended up um, just saying, I'm, I'm moving. I'm going to move to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had family out in California. So 1982, I moved here and um, I was out here for a couple of years, just kind of doing odd jobs and playing in rock bands. Uh, not, no notable rock bands, just, you know, rock cover band shit. Uh, I did that for two years out here and then working odd jobs. Um, and then I, kind of had this bug to go back and get my music degree and finish it. So I ended up going back in 85 and ended up going to Potsdam to Crane School of Music and finished my performance degree there oh, nice. with Jim Peterzak. Nice. So, yeah. So, well, well, so going back then in 85, you must, I mean, you had your head on a a little bit on straighter than most of the younger kids that were there because you yeah, were, I was were a little older. older. Yeah. Yeah. I know my sister was supposed to go there in 80, uh, in 89 and she auditioned and she got in and she was a percussionist. Yeah. And I'm going to oh, really? give my sister kudos. Um, yeah. So she got in, her she, first. She, she went through, well, she's, let me tell you something. She's a hell of a musician, that kid. Right. So she studied with Peter Zach? No, nope, I'm going to tell you. Oh. <laughs> she tells her audition, she gets done. My parents are in the waiting room, you know, and he says, young lady, that was one of the best female auditions I've ever heard. Oops. And she goes, <laughs> excuse <laughs> me? He says, one of the best female percussion auditions I've ever heard. She says, thank you so much, but I don't yeah. think I'll be going here. Wow. And he goes, why not? And she'd been talking about going to Crane for years. Okay. That's where she was going to go. And he said, uh, she's, why? She said, if you didn't say one of the best percussionists and you labeled me that I would get in because I'm a woman or, or that right. I was, you, you put me in a separate category. There's no category when sticks are in your hand. It's just pieces of wood on a skin. So she turned around and left there, and nice. she ended up going. She ended up going to Mansfield for uh, for music ed, and she came okay. out a teacher. But I used to come home. You know, I prided myself when you're a drummer. You, it, back then, I, I rehearsed every day, every day. The band rehearsed almost every day, and my chops were just banging. You know. Yeah. Not what they could be today, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. But I'd go home and I'd I'd hear her upstairs playing like one of Rick Latham's rudiment, yeah, you know things, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm like, well, she must be used following the tape right now because the tape is crushing it. And I open the door and it's her. She's just, you know, I was like, holy shit, wow. I said I thought it was the tape. 
she's like, I go, why don't you go downstairs and dr- jump on the drum kit? Nope. Never had <laughs> uh-huh. even the desire to get on a drum kit. She could play the, she played any of the percussion instruments. She played the, oh, okay. the marimba, the xylophone, the, every, you know, we had, we had a vibraphone. We had everything at home um, because the school just, she was so good at it. She sent everything home with her. Right. She's still teaching? Uh, no, no. She had, she went on and she was teaching for a while and then um, she was, you know, after you have to have your master's by a certain period in New York State. Okay. And uh, she took a summer gig with AT&T in the corporate office downtown. And they said, well, you sign up with us full time and we will uh, we'll pay for your master's. Oh. And they did. And then she was like, this is a lot more money than I would ever make. <laughs> As a teacher, yeah, right? Of course. And she was teaching. Yeah. You know, she was running the uh, the music school, or she was running the the band and everything up at Sackets Harbor. Uh, was one of the gigs she got. She oh, okay. was the band director, music director for the school district. But she was like, you know what? She did. A, I think she did four years of dealing with parents and the music. And okay. How come? Yeah, yeah. How come little Sally didn't get the lead chair? Because little Sally's like a twelfth chair. That's why <laughs> she may play Bray had a little lamb really good for you at home, but she's yeah, not yeah. that seat here. You know, so that's that's where where she went on. But we we yeah. digress. Yes. But you know, uh, it just goes to show. I mean, going back the second time for you, that's when you know you're you're focused. Yeah, and you're I, like, I just felt like I want to finish it. You know, and it, it, actually with when Peter Zek. When I had connected with Peter Zach, because I didn't really know Jim, I, I studied with Ernie Muskie mm-hmm. at Syracuse University, who um, used to run the percussion department at Syracuse mm-hmm. Music School. Mm-hmm. And Michael Bull runs it now. Michael Bull and I were colleagues together then. But Ernie was also the principal percussionist with Syracuse Symphony and um, assistant conductor. So he was a big influence on my playing and how I play now, actually. I learned a lot from him. But... When I connected with Peter Zach to go back to college to finish my degree, he said, you got to come back and audition. And I didn't have the money to fly back twice <laughs> to uh, go audition. So he says, okay, I'm going to, uh, we'll arrange an audition out there with Sandy Feldstein, which do you guys know Sandy Feldstein? Did you know him? No, I did nope. not. Sandy, he was the head of Alfred Publishing. Then he had began, he became the head of Warner Music, Chapel Music. He was a big music oh. publishing guru, basically. Okay. Um uh, he's no longer with us, but Sandy at the time was running Alfred and had an office in um, North Hollywood. Uh, and so I actually auditioned in his in his office out here for my college and got in. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> so you got in by hearsay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Good enough. Right. Fine, kid. Yeah. Great guy. Yep. Thanks, much, yeah. thanks for the bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was great. So you, you graduate from Crane. You, yeah. you got your degree. You come out swinging. What what'd you do next? I just ended up playing in a couple of bands out here until I saw this advertisement in the paper for a job at Peisty Symbols, and uh, I just thought I want to get something in the music industry that'll supplement gigging. You know, sure. so uh, it was that was nineteen eighty early nineteen eighty seven I think it was, and um, in nineteen eighty six I had never been to a NAMM show. In nineteen eighty six I was working part-time for a flower company that did all the flowers at NAM, right. And I took the job specifically to get into NAM, So I ended up like delivering flowers to booths <laughs> the year before <laughs> I got the job with Peisty. And then um, 
in 87, I got the job at Peisty as the artist relations manager. Well, actually, first it was sales. I did sales for internal sales for a little while, but then the artist relations guy quit. And then I ended up taking over artist relations and did that for almost 20 years. So wait a minute. <laughs> at the height of L.A. music. Yeah. That's right. In 87, you've got... Right. He's delivering flowers. Okay? Well, no. Wait a minute. No, he's he's now he's the Peisty rep. So oh, oh, you've yeah. got yeah. bands like Motley Crue that are that are coming off yeah. of their own label. They're Well, they're well off their own yeah. label. By then, but yes. you've got yeah, 87. You've got Zig Zig Sputnik out there. you got... Um, yeah. You name all those Peisty guys. I, I work with them personally. LA Guns, all I, those I, guys. I did, a, yeah. I did a lot with Tommy. I did a lot with Bobby Blotzer. I did a lot with Van Halen. I did a lot with um, Stuart Copeland. Oh wow! Uh, I, I, and then I brought two Peisty. I brought Danny Carey from Tool and Josh Freeze, and uh, yep. there's a lot of guys I signed to the Peisty. Actually, I signed Abraham Laboreal to his first endorsement when he was 17 years old. Jeez! Uh, right before he went to Berkeley, um, I was managing the Peisty's. Peisty's um, had a sound booth at NAMM, and we'd have bands in the, in the booth, and I would book the bands and. Uh, one year I had Jeff Beccaro playing with his brother, Mike Beccaro and, and Dave Garfield on keyboards. And uh, one year I had the tubes in there. Uh, it was wow. fantastic. It was a heyday of, of the NAMM show thing, right. you know, with all these amazing bands. And I was right in the middle of all that and booking the bands and, and like I was emceeing the shows every day. There was three shows a day. And one, one particular day, Jeff Beccaro said, Rich, listen, there's a kid I want you to meet. And it was Abraham Laboreal, and he was 16, going on 17, just about to go to Berkeley. And he just said to me, he goes, you got to hear this kid play. Um, he's going to be a big deal. Wow. So I signed him to his first endorsement before he went to Berkeley. And then he didn't actually stay through Berkeley. I think he left early to go out and play. I can't remember. It was long before Paul McCartney. But, um, but yeah, 80s, the 80s was the heyday. It yeah. was like... That yeah. the, if yeah. you were going to have that job, that was the best year. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Because, it was like from I mean, '87 I... until well, I stayed there for almost 20 years. But the '80s up till about late '90s, it was just off the fucking hook. Yeah, all the time. There were so many great shows. Working with all these great bands, it was, you know, and me coming from a small town, man, it was like, you know, oh yeah, Lord, what is happening? You know, and it really. It was a great experience for me because, you know, I was always a player from the get go. I was always that was my heart. So I the job came natural to me. Right. Um, which I'm still doing to this day with Don Bops now, but um, I have my own kind of artist relations company now. But but that back then, yeah, I mean, because yeah. the '90s it moved Monsters it moved north. And... It it went up the coast. Yeah, it went to Seattle. The I epicenter mean, of it right. with all the grunge garbage yeah. i'll say it i you hate the grunge i know I but do. it was all it's all evolution i know it is you know yeah. you went from right. new york but then you because of the 80s you had you had an east coast style right. metal that was coming out late 80s with guys like yeah. anthrax and, and everything and then you had the west coast side oh, yeah. with metallica and those guys yeah so that skater punk kind of metal from syracuse down sure. uh versus yeah. you know and i think it was it was Pete Merluzzi that brings it up that said, you know, Syracuse, Syracuse was this they, close. They were on the map. Yeah. We had a lot of great musicians that came out of here. Yeah. We had a lot of great 
not just musicians, but production guys and, and, and recording people. And, and southern part of Syracuse, guys like Carl Kennedy from the Rods, who, mm-hmm. who, uh, who was producing bands yeah. like Anthrax and stuff. And he was a drummer for, you know, and he still is. Still is. Um, so we've, we've got a lot of stuff yeah. that came out of this area, and I think it's, we're, I'm proud of it. I'm proud to be part oh, of yeah. it. Oh, yeah, sure. And, Me and, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know it anywhere near as deeply as you guys because I left so long ago, but mm-hmm. I've been out here so long. But, yeah, even back then, I worked a lot with Charlie Benante from Anthrax and Dave Lombardo from Slayer. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, later on, the guys in Slipknot and all these yeah. great rock bands, you know, that, that um, played Peisty, they would, they would basically work with me to get their gear and for road or for recording. There was know? only, sure. there was only two to two, two really to count on. You, you're either a Zildjian guy or right. you're a Pisces mm-hmm. guy. And back then, yeah, before Sabian, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and you were, and you were taking away the Zildjian guys. Cause that was like, well, we know we're the biggest symbol manufacturer now, so we don't really need to do anything good for you unless you're the best. And then all these up and coming guys are like, shit, I want to <laughs> get endorsed. Right. You know, I remember yeah. I got endorsed from a stick company out of Canada that never went anywhere. They were the worst fucking drumsticks I've ever, but I had cases of them. Because he whittled them from trees. Dude, they were the lightest wood that would just, <laughs> they wouldn't just crack. They would just, they would just yeah. fucking explode. And, and they, they would say, so what do, you, what do you think? Do you need more? Yeah. Yeah. You need a lot more. Do you need assortment of sizes? Yeah. yeah. Something that a beaver a beaver just chewed down. Because these things you're sending me for the music I'm playing is not cutting it. They're just exploding. Yeah. That's something heavier instead of like, you know. And I remember my balsam wood. I was still living at home. I, my my parent, my mother would be like, There'd be, there's an awful lot of sawdust downstairs. Right. Yeah, drumsticks. Yeah. I'm like, she goes, it's right. never this bad before. I'm like, yeah, because these sticks suck. Right. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even remember the name of them. It didn't last long because I didn't even. You know, I was like, I got endorsed, and then 20, 20 days later, I'm like, I'm endorsed. Big I think we should call them. We should grab it. We should find a name and call them. Couldn't. I don't even think I have one left. They all shattered. They all exploded. <laughs> They're now toothpicks. Great. So let's talk about. Anyhow. Again, man, this is so multi-level. It's like, all right, this show is going to be talking strictly about all your yes, '86 yeah. through '90 shenanigans. Uh, but no, I think I think we just let's get it all right here. But spread out a little what, bit. Yeah. You've played with some great people. Yes, and you've toured with some great people. And let's let's go on. So, how did that transit? Was it did they catch your eye, or did you meet them through Peisty, or did you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's like started meeting these guys and being close with a lot of these great drummers and becoming friends of mine, they realized that I played and I was just, you know, playing in local bands in Los Angeles, but there was one particular band that I was in back. Uh, it was like mid to mid nineties, I guess it was. And uh, actually there was two, there was, there was one, there was a jazz group um, with Kurt Piscara. Kurt Piscara and I were uh, in a band together called the Piscara brothers. And it was a, great jazz kind of a progressive not progressive jazz more just kind of um not traditionally bebop stuff but more like just funk jazz basically okay and that was an amazing band so i was playing with that in 90s and then there was another original rock band called clear that i was in and this band was had a lot of potential Mm -hmm. this was like um kind of dave matthews meets um uh 
you know, um, REM kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really great writing, great, great playing. And that was like late, like 96, 95, 96. And it caught the eye of Scott Crago, who um, uh, Scott is the drummer for the Eagles now. He's been with the Eagles for 35 years or so. Yes. But at that same time, there was a band in, in Los Angeles that I was also playing with called Venice. Um, Venice is a local band here that did very well in Europe. They're very well known in Europe and Holland and have a lot of hit records out there. And um, Scott was the original drummer for Venice. Mm-hmm. Scott left Venice to go play with Stevie Nicks and then got into the Eagles. And then there was another great drummer that took the place of Scott, who you guys will probably know now, that was in the band Venice that got me into band Venice with him. And his name is Matt Log. Do you know Matt? Do not. Matt Log is the new drummer for ACDC right now. Yes. that's Yes, you're so, right. I did see that so somewhere. Matt, Matt, um, well, Matt just, Matt was playing with Slash. Yeah. After he played with Venice, he was doing right. Slash. We did Alanis Morissette's first record. And Matt and I became very close friends and played a lot together. So he's friends and, with um, yeah. yeah. So Matt, um, Matt um, was in Venice at the time. And, and they were, they were talking about getting percussion and Matt said, get rich. He'd be perfect for it. So then we ended up doing that gig together for a while. And then this original band called Clear, Scott Crago got wind of it and saw it and really liked it and ended up producing a record of ours. And um, um, at that same time period, Glenn Fry was looking for a percussionist. So Scott said, I got the guy for you. We don't have to do any auditions. And that, so that's that's how it came. That hack. That's great. <laughs> that hack. That hack. Glenn Fry. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like somebody at a diner. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So actually, at that time, it was Glenn Fry and Joe Walsh band. It was the two of them together. They were doing basically casinos and corporate party shows, like yep. you know, big, huge, multi-million-dollar corporate shows. So we were doing that and casinos, like a lot of the casinos back east and in Toronto, uh, the, the, uh, the casino. I forget that place up in Toronto, but we did a lot of that circuit, and and that's how I got into that with Scott, who uh, who told Glenn about me, and uh, that lasted for almost till Glenn passed away, till about fifteen years. Yeah. So. Well, Rich, what was it like working with him? Fantastic. I mean, you know, when you're working with someone like that, it's not like you 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 know when to when to show up, you know what to do, you know you know do your job, and you know it, it's not the kind of thing where you're you're not the you're not the star of the show. You know, you're you go do your gig, and and don't make a mistake, and yeah. everything is fine. Yeah, you know, but I was playing percussion and singing background vocals and honestly singing background with him mm-hmm. was really one of my highlights of my entire career. It was, it was such a trip and then awesome. to be in vocal rehearsals, singing those songs with the guy who wrote it was yeah really unbelievable. And with Joe as well, you know, yeah. cause I played a summer tour with Joe Walsh when there was a time when I was playing Joe Glenn's band, Joe's band, and then the two of them together doing their corporate band. But with Joe, it was more public shows and festivals and stuff. Right. Because um, we, it was what was it great. like working with Joe Walsh? Joe's uh, when when I worked with Joe, uh, he he's uh, he's an extremely musical person who does he gets bored quickly, so he likes to change stuff oh. up a lot. Okay. So uh, we would we would you know adjust arrangements and do different things. We might not have the same set twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would shift things around a lot. Yeah. Uh, at the time that I was doing it, there was a horn section. Mm-hmm. 
and there was Scott on drums and me on percussion, and Mike Finnegan was playing B3, which... Oh, wow. You guys remember Mike Finnegan mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix? Jimi yep. Hendrix, yep. yeah. Yeah, um, Mike was playing B3 in that band, which That's was a awesome. complete honor for me. I was like, man, Mike Finnegan's in this band. And Rick, the <laughs> bass player from Joe's band. And right. It was it was great. And we did a lot of festivals with that band. We played a lot of, you know, we did stuff with Sammy Hagar and um, a bunch of other great uh, artists. Oh, Red Rocker. Summer festival tour, you know? Yeah. Yep. And now that was, you know, but then, you know, he didn't, after the, that year, he wanted to go back to two drummers and not have percussion. So. Yeah. I'm man. very fortunate. I feel very blessed that I got a chance to do it. I think that's great. Did you now? Were you still? Did you still keep your gig with Pasty when you were doing that? Or yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a, a little bit tricky, but um, they were very gracious, and they've always been gracious yeah. with me. I'm well, still friends with them, even though I don't work with them. But uh, yeah, they were very nice, and, they, and I did the job while I was on the road. So. Oh, when you when you figure you're still you're still rubbing elbows on the festivals with yeah. probably yeah. some of your artists anyways. Right. And I'm sure the, the rest of the guys that you're playing with were like, Jesus, is there anybody you don't know, Rich? Because you know, <laughs> right. everybody's like, hey, Rich, how you on? Right. Hey, man, how are you? They're like, holy shit. Yeah. This is... <laughs> it's kind of like that. I mean, I'm very, I feel very blessed. I mean, all the people that I'm friends with and know, I mean, uh, it was it was a trip to do some of those festivals and have somebody open it for me that was one of my endorses, like, uh, um, uh, one of them was um, the original drummer for uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, uh, oh, oh my God. Um, Doug Clifford. Yes. Doug Doug Clifford was playing with, it was called Creedence Clearwater Revisited. Yes. And oh, I remember festival, that. Yes. It was those guys and Sammy Hagar and us. And uh -huh. so, you know, I got to hang out with Doug Clifford backstage and we were both playing that day, you know. And yeah. That was very surreal. And then I did another show in, in the Bay Area with Joe and... Um, Greg Rico is a friend of mine now, but Greg's the original drummer for uh, Sly and the Family Stone. And and mm -hmm. Greg had called me and said, I see you're playing at this Canoctai Harbor Festival. I want to come and see you play. And it was so incredibly surreal for me to have Greg sitting on the stage behind me while I'm playing the show with Joe. Because in 1969, I went to the Syracuse War Memorial and saw Steppenwolf and Sly and the Family Stone oh, opening right. for Steppenwolf. Right. So here's all these years later, I got to share that story with, with Greg, you know, with saying, yeah, yeah. man, I got to tell you a story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff to me, uh, you know, I look back on all that and I go, oh my God, I, I'm so incredibly fortunate. I got to these, know these guys and share these kind of stories. I mean, the same thing with, when I worked with Carl Palmer, I worked with Carl Palmer a lot mm -hmm. during the Peisty years. And, you know, I saw Carl Palmer play with the LP at Syracuse War Memorial and I got to tell him man i saw you when i was going to college and yeah i'm sure they they love they, they appreciate that I when know, you walk I, up and go i've liked you since i was six, six. Yeah, <laughs> and they're yeah. like get away from me you're yeah. bothering me <laughs> yeah, yeah. that girl's mine uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so uh so so you're playing with these guys and and you're and you're rubbing elbows with some of you know who you're saying is like wow that was the most influential some of the bands that you worked with as they were growing up and becoming mature, you being some of their first endorsements, those are the guys that we were like infatuated with those bands. So, you know, to us, we're like, fuck, it's David Lee Roth or, you know, Van Halen and, and, and these guys and, and Tommy Lee. And to us, that's the big names. But 
you they probably were just as impressed with you rubbing elbows with the people that were our heroes. Our heroes, before yeah. Then. You know, I yeah. grew up listening to, to to Zeppelin and Cream and Black Sabbath mm-hmm. and Kiss and all that. And, you know, the bands that came out of the seventies that were already established by yeah. the time we were playing ourselves. So I got a great Tommy Lee story. Oh well, oh a great well, Tommy go, Lee yeah, story. Yeah, there's never you. There's... We have no format. Have at it. Shoot, Luke, you're in the saddle. Yes, it's very quite. It's very quick, but. Uh, I, there was a time where I was putting together a poster campaign for Feisty with Tommy. And so we sat down and he and I would brainstorm and we had this idea of um, uh, the caption of the poster idea would be Tommy Lee and Feisty happier than a pig and shit. And we thought, can we get away with this in the United States? I don't know if we can get away with this or not, but I got together with Eric Feisty and Tommy and we discussed it and we said, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So we ended up going to this, uh, (laughs) we went to this farm uh, in LA, called uh, it was a college that had a farm area yes. with animals, and there was this pig pen. So we got it, and we had um, the the photographer was Robert Knight, who's a really famous rock photographer. He f- shot Zeppelin, you know. Yeah. And I had hired Robert to do the shot because Robert had worked a lot with Tommy Lee as well, and with Motley Crue. So we get to this pig pen, and there's all these pigs in the pen, and we get these symbols. We got the symbols that he played the 2002 series. And we stuck them in the pig mud and shit. And we got Tommy in the shot with the, with the symbols and him just going, you know. And the caption was, Tommy Lee and Feisty happier than a pig and shit. And I have this poster, this picture of me and Tommy in my studio in that pig pen, him wiping pig crap on my face. <laughs> <laughs> From the photo shoot, I have that oh, shot man. framed in my studio here. But... um that that poster and that ad campaign ran only twice in the United States. I wonder why. It got pulled. Because <laughs> modern drummer modern drummer was like, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. I think they ran it only once actually. And they, they got so many <laughs> complaints from parents that they pulled it. But then it ran in Europe a lot. Right. <laughs> okay. So. Pussies. Yeah, because Europe's more free form and we're kinda uppity and Yeah. You know. Jesus, London's anyway. got the page five girls. Anyway, it was a fun <laughs> there... Tommy Tommy was a lot of fun. That's, there was, that's cool. Well, those guys were always well, off the freaking hook. My God. I know. While reading your bio, Rich, I was kind of interested. There was two people that you either worked with or or, or knew. It was uh, David Crosby and mm-hmm. uh, Jackson Brown, mm-hmm. both of which I, I love both. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like working with uh, David Crosby? I played about your go-to question. five times with David, and that was also through the band Venice. That band Venice had sang on a lot of both David's and Jackson's stuff. They're, oh, good. The, the band Venice is the Lennon. Do you remember the Lennon sisters? Yes, From the I do. Lawrence Welk show? Yes. The, the Lennon sisters' younger brothers are the guys in Venice. They're all Lennon family, and they're oh, all wow. ridiculously talented singers. So Venice... Uh, is very well known as one of the best singers in the United States. They're, they do a lot of records and background mm-hmm. stuff. They're actually three of the four of those guys were on the uh, Roger Waters wall tour as oh. the background singers for Roger's tour. Very cool. So that's who was singing for that tour, but that's, that, that's the band. Yeah. So uh, David um, considers Venice the best singers in the United States. He loves these guys. So we ended up becoming David's band a bunch of times. So I think we played five or six different shows with, David and then Jackson maybe a couple times where we were his band. Yeah. Um, and it was great. I mean, David David was an extremely personable, fun person to be around and just 
really fun to play with. She's just a really nice guy and just musically brilliant. And Jackson was also just great. He was, Jackson's a lot more serious, at least when we worked with him. And yeah. it was kind of nuts and bolts, just let's get this work done. And then after the show, we could hang out a little bit. But I didn't really tour with them. Okay. I did those shows with them, you know? Yeah. Jackson was known to work with a ton of studio musicians. I know my buddy yeah. played bass for Jackson Brown it's for years. Like the Steely Dan. Steely Dan used a ton of different studio musicians. Yeah. Right. Jackson Brown is, I'll tell you, I took, you know my story with him. So, I do. In fact, I saw him live, uh, I want to say two years ago now, when he toured with uh, James Taylor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and James that was Taylor. that was great. Jackson Brown great playing Syracuse. And I'm down there to pick up Kiss tickets. Kiss is playing like, like the next week, and I had gotten some tickets through somebody. I don't know if there's a radio station or something. And I stick my head in bands. Some bands just they're they're loading in and they're getting ready to do sound check or something. I'm kind of peeking into the side doors where the War Memorial, you know, the load in was. Guy sitting out there, and he's like. Come to the show tonight? I said, uh, no. <laughs> I'm here to get kiss tickets. He said, do you know who's playing tonight? I said, no again. <laughs> Sorry. <He> said, Did <laughs> you ever hear of Jackson Brown? I says, three no's in a row. Sorry, man. Can't say as I can help you. And he's like, <laughs> uh, you know, the guy that's sitting there during load and he's like, hey, if, what if I get you tickets? Would you come oh. and see, see Jackson Brown tonight? I said, sure. Are they good seats? He's like, yeah. He'd be like the front three rows. I'm like, cool. So he goes in, he comes out, gives me two tickets. He leaves. Those I don't think days. anything of it. My, 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 none of my friends. I'm like, you ever hear of Jackson? No, no, no. I got tickets. You want to go? No, nobody wanted to go. I went by <laughs> myself. So I'm standing there waiting for his band. I don't even know who opened up for him. I don't even know if anybody did. He comes walking out, this guy that gave me the tickets. And I'm like, oh, he must be setting up. He must be the roadie that's bringing the mic out or something. Or he's introducing him or something, you know. But he's got a guitar on or <laughs> Sound check guy, making sure the monitors work. <laughs> well, the guy plays the first song with him and looks right down the front row. He goes, what do you think? Is it really? Jackson Brown himself. It's actually Jackson Brown. <laughs> who gave me the tickets. And oh, I just, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just saw me that milling around, cool. like kind of poking around, like what's going on in there? And... um so, of that course, I've, cool. I've been a fan of her since just right. because it was like, that's one of the coolest dudes I ever met. I mean, <laughs> and, of yeah, course, I tell cool. I tell people later, and they're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, I've admittedly been an idiot right. my whole life, you know. But, yeah. And Jackson was, when I did that gig, there was no drummer, actually. When I did it, it was, I was playing all the drum set parts on percussion, like a hybrid right? setup. It was like an unplug show. Which okay. was, that's what we did with him. With with Crosby, it was a full percussion setup. But um, with with Jackson, it was just me doing all the drum set parts on cajon and pedals. And um, there was a moment when we were rehearsing "Running on Empty," where they had that drum fill at yeah. the end of it, and I'm I was like, "Oh man, where am I?" Right. <laughs> it was so surreal. It was so cool. You know, I was like, blah, 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 blah. "Yeah, oh my god, I got to play that classic, That's awesome. simple drum group fill." Isn't it great though <laughs> when you go to play with these guys and you already know their music because you've been jam into yeah. it your whole life yeah. and you're like fuck yeah oh, you know fantastic i think it was yeah. uh it was the reason the reason i asked about david crosby was because he actually came to skinny antlers once yeah car breakdown no oh 
On purpose? They have they have a dinner cruise. It's Judge Ben Wilden. I know he is a huge boat fanatic, or was a boat huge boat fanatic. Yeah. He actually went on that cruise and drove the boat. Oh, okay. And then I saw the the only reason I know that's because I saw the uh, he has a documentary out called My Name Is David Crosby. Hmm. Is it the boats that's there now? Yeah. Owned by the Sherwood. Yes. Those are friends. He was the boat fanatic, huh? huh. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to see if they even know that because they they own that boat. There's a picture of him with one of the um, one of the owners, I believe. They're probably listening oh. to the show right now. Sure, they are. No, they do. They listen do to they? the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's some great footage. Actually, we just finished editing from uh, some shows we did with David. That's on that's out on that Venice, the band Venice's site, but also on my YouTube channel now. From like a series of our shows. Yeah. They edited into a, like a 40 minute clip of us playing together it really came out great that's uh, awesome. i'm really proud of it. a bunch of songs we did including when we did sweet judy blue eyes um mm -hmm. there's that breakdown in the middle of the song yes uh where there's kind of these percussion breakdown breaks you know and it was originally played on the back of a guitar by stephen stills yes. on, the, on the original recording which i did on a on a uh djembe cajon a wood djembe cajon i played mm -hmm. all the parts but I, during rehearsals, when we were going through it, and I had Rick worked on it during rehearsals, David turned around and he went, hey, I don't even think Stephen could do that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty so cool. Really, little little really did he fun. know. <laughs> That's funny. Fun. Wow. So fun. I like it. So, so now you're, wow. I mean, you you people don't realize, I mean, we, we're looking, when we looked up his resume, yeah. I'm like, this this thing just doesn't stop. It's like the best of the best on yeah. everything here. So now you move on, and now you're you're playing, you're the Peisty rep, and now you're right. You start writing for magazines like Modern Drummer. That that came, you know, because of my my associations from Peisty. I got to know all the guys at the magazines, and and uh, and then they ended up finding out that I write, and then. And they said, well, you know everybody. You want to start doing some interviews for us. So I ended up, I didn't do as much for Modern Drummer. I did, you know, about, I don't know, seven or eight articles for them. Mm -hmm. But then I did a lot for the, the magazine called Drumhead. Mm -hmm. uh, I did something for Rhythm in UK and some for an Australian magazine. And uh, yeah, so it, it was just kind of naturally fell into my lap because of my associations and knowing all these guys and so yeah, it, it was fun. I, I enjoyed doing it, you know, and enjoyed interviewing the guys. And this is, I mean, this is pre-digital. This is like on a tape recorder and, you know, listening oh, okay. to my tape back and writing, you know. Right. Back when you brought uh, that little tiny thing with a little tiny cassette in it, you know. Yeah. Or they had a lav mic and we either met at their studio or we met yeah. at a restaurant. And I've still got all those recordings of oh, all those interviews. Oh, wow. I've kept all of those great recordings of That's interviewing all these people, which is kind of fun to, you know, have and. I actually have one where I interviewed Lou Reed because um, ah, I, I did a feature for Modern Drummer on Tony Smith, who is Lou Reed's drummer. Mm -hmm. um, so they said, can you interview uh, if we we want to get Lou Reed's opinion on Tony? So I ended up asking Tony. and He says, well, I'll, I'll try. And that was the weirdest interview I had ever done. Cause oh. I, <laughs> I, yeah, because Lou, you know, he's a man of very few words. <laughs> so you guys know as when you interview people it's uh, it can yeah. be very tricky you don't know really what you're going to get some yeah. people give you like two sentences and then they yeah. stop yeah. and then some people just like go for 20 minutes it's like dude okay we get it no we want the 20 minutes 
Well, that's so we don't have to ask him anymore. <laughs> no, because no. Well, you know, I yeah, mean, I you know. start interviewing somebody and they're it, very tight-lipped, and you're going, it's "Do hard. not <laughs> ask a yes or no question." <laughs> right? Did you, you know, yeah. Did you like playing with Joe Walsh? Yes. Yes. No. No. Elaborate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really but, liked you know, working with Joe. You're right. I really. <laughs> we had actually. I had to write out the questions beforehand. Send them to his manager. They oh. approved the questions. Mm-hmm. Then we scheduled a date for the interview. And then a week before the date, they called me on a Tuesday or whatever and said, Lou's available right now. Can you do it? And I was like, um, you know, I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but I didn't have my tape machine or whatever. Right. I said, can you give me five minutes? And they called me back in five minutes and I did it. And I did the questions like they had seen. And there was a few of them. He just says, I don't answer that. And this is oh. after he had already approved it, you know, but I was on the phone with him for about 10 minutes. And when I got off the interview with him and I called Tony, I said, I just finished my interview with Lou. He goes, how long did you last? About a minute. And I said, no, it was about <laughs> 10 minutes. He goes, you did good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really we've surreal, only, man. We've only run into that once. That, Don't that say person will remain nameless. Jesus I Christ. promise. I've already pissed him off enough in his I know. lifetime. And he's a great guy, right? And I will tell you. I'll tell you after we record. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I will tell you that the laundry list of um, things we couldn't say. things we couldn't. Well, no, how they wanted you to start. And you know, don't. Oh no, no, no! I know you. No, no, I know who you you're know talking, who about. talking no, about. No, you know that guy's a dick. Um, no, yeah. They wanted you to. They don't start with you know. Well, don't take listeners on a. Um, uh, don't take them on a historic, a historic journey. Jo- historic we want you journey. to only talk about what he's doing now. now. And well, I'm like, nobody cares know, what he's doing now. Right, people, people, only people know him from. Yeah. Well, this guy barely. They barely cared what he was doing back then. I know. That's why he even talked to us. I, I mean, it's like. Oh, I know. It's like, dude, really? You're gonna give me shit? No one's even heard heard from you since '85, and you're really gonna give me shit about the 80, questions? '88, '88, whatever. That's really tough. And oh. they send me this list of these are the questions we would like you to ask. I'm like, have you yeah. look, publicist, honey? Do me a favor, watch our show, and immediately say no because this shit right. is not the way we do it. You know, <laughs> I mean we've we've had some we've had conversations. Um, because believe it or not, this show we are doing well with it, and yeah. we've we've had people call us about possibly syndicating overseas with it. And the first words out of their mouth is because we go into parts of Asia. Yeah, we need you guys to to Clean not swear. And I was like, oh, well, that's never going to fucking happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, no. You know, it's, 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 we no, don't change what we do. This right. is what we do because this is why people like it because it's as raw as it's, it is. Yeah. You know, Mike Sterto. Hey, can I swear? I go, yeah. He goes, well, I hate to be the first one. I said, I'll break the ice. Oh, you know, we come out of the intro. <laughs> right. I'm like, hey, Jeff, welcome back. Guess what? What? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Boom. I was like, there you go, Mike. And he comes in and goes, hey, you know. Yeah. That's just the All show we go. do, you know. So yeah. at least now in our in our day and age is a lot different than when you were doing it. Print yeah. form, you know. Mike and I tried to, we try to do it like we're sitting around a campfire. Yeah. And we're just swapping war stories, if you will. But there's people on the outside of that campfire that are going, man, I would really love to be involved in that conversation. Yeah, I want to be a fly on the wall. But they can't be. Yeah. Right. So know? now you're a fly on the wall. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of the way That's we like, you know. Great. And we're trying to bring we're trying to bring the relationship to upstate New York, whether yes. it's Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. No. You sure. know, I mean, 
Jeez, there's a there's Ross a, the boss didn't have a an affinity to upstate New York. He, he well, was our, out of New York City, but our Jesus. guest at the end of the month doesn't have any affiliation with upstate New York anyway. As far as oh Joel, yeah Joel Holkstra, which right, you know he'll he'll be on in a couple weeks here, and um, you know like you said, it doesn't have to be well his Syracuse, man crush is here, so one of them. <laughs> I bet there's more than you know. He hates yeah. that I bring all the drummers on because that's what I love. And he's like, finally, a guitar player. Yes. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've met all these people. I'm going to reverse our order. Okay, you go ahead. You meet all these people. What What has been your biggest, outside maybe the ones you've even mentioned, that has been like, wow, I can't believe I'm playing with this this artist, or I can't believe I'm in the presence even of this person. Right. Thank God for Peisty. Thank God for the drum magazine. <laughs> well, Thank believe me. Yeah, I am very, very thankful for how this whole path started with yeah. right. know, the industry gig. But yeah, I mean, I've mentioned a lot of them already with those guys. I've always, like, I would pinch myself when I'd be playing with Glenn or Joe and see the Eagles flight cases on the side of the stage. Of sure. course, I'm pinching myself. And Right. And then um, Crosby was definitely there. One and um, uh, Michael McDonald was an absolute oh from the Doobies incredible pleasure to play with. I played with him two or three times, but he was an incredible guy to be around. Just such a sweet person and genius musician. So I was definitely like, whoa, Michael McDonald. You know, um, Tommy Shaw was great. Oh wow, played one gig with him. Oh, also great. Billy Idol was a trip. I did one show with Billy Idol, uh, and I didn't really, I just did one show with him, but ended up having a drink with him afterwards, and that was very surreal. But he was just fun, because he just, he really loved just being on stage, and yeah. during rehearsals, he was a blast. And Steve Stevens was playing guitar. Oh, good. So it was nice. Steve and Billy, and then us in the band. Um, and that was just a blast. But I, I have to go to one guy when you ask me that question, mm -hmm. because... I got a call from a friend of mine who's a drummer who's no longer with us right now, but great drummer named Brian uh, Brian Zupnik. He was I met him through Jeff Beccaro, and Brian was playing drums for Peter Cetera, Boz Skaggs, and a host of other players. He was a fantastic groove drummer. And he got a call to play on Jeff Bridges' first album. So, uh, so he, talking to Jeff before they went and recorded, said, we need a percussionist for the for this album and he recommended me. So that was probably one of those moments in my career. Where I was like in the studio with Jeff Bridges for two days, just me and him and his producer doing oh, wow. percussion overdubs. Sure. That was really kind of a mind fuck because I'm <laughs> such a huge fan of, you know, such a huge fan of his work, you know, and the big Lebowski, I must've seen 20 times. I own God, it. Yeah. You yeah, know. yeah. You know, so dude, First, he was just a, he was a music he's a music fan you know obviously yeah. and a music good musician um so that i would say out of all of these guys and all of them have done that to me but jeff bridges was really surreal because it was like and now i have to real quick tell you the story what happened with him because it was really a trip so the day before i'm to go to his studio his studio is in his his beautiful he bought kenny Loggins' old house up in santa barbara mountains and so he had this beautiful home and then he had a separate home house that was his studio beautiful studio. So that's where we were going to work. So the night before I'm to drive up there to do my two days of sessions with him, I'm at the Hollywood Bowl with this girl that I was seeing at the time. And we went to see, um, it was Paul Simon and Bob Dylan. And uh, 
I was working with a lot of the guys in Paul Simon's band. So I had box seats. It was one of those nights. It was fantastic. And, uh, you know, before the show started, I look at her and I go, you want, would you like a drink? She goes, yeah. So I, so I go get up and I go to the, and have you guys ever been to the Hollywood bowl? I have not no. been to the Hollywood bowl. No, but it's, it's huge. And then there's all these different food stands everywhere and drink stands. And so I just go to one of the stands and I'm standing in line waiting to get our drinks and, uh, standing there and then there's this guy standing in front of me out of all these people in this place with this like Indian blanket around his shoulders and I'm just seeing him from the back and I'm not not really know you know whatever and then all of a sudden he turns I could see his profile I went holy fuck it's Jeff Bridges what are the chances of that right with his yeah right in front of me like the day before I'm supposed to go meet him and play with him and I'm like all of a sudden I'm little town Syracuse boy fucking freaking out going oh my god do i say something you know <laughs> right <laughs> and this know? is before or after you you before i met him oh my god oh, like wow. the day before i'm the, the 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 night before i was to drive up there okay okay i, I just oh, couldn't right. believe it so i'm standing there and i'm like for a minute i'm going oh fuck i gotta say something right so i just tap on his shoulder and i said excuse me i'm sorry to bother you jeff i'm rich man jacaro he goes hey <laughs> he turns to his friend he goes this is the percussionist for tomorrow and he goes, what are chances of this? I go, yeah, it's pretty strange. Yeah, you yeah, fucking you know, stalker. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I've been following so, you. Tell me he was drinking a white Russian, and I'm, and I'm ending the show yeah, right, right now. Yeah, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, But that man. was just so bizarre. That's it awesome. It was so bizarre that that happened. Did, Rich, but yeah, anyway. Did you bring him back to meet the girlfriend? No. No, no. No. Oh, yeah. no. You, you, wow. You would have got some serious points then. I know. Well, that was a very, I mean, that, listen, where we were sitting was crazy because we were in box seats and next to us was James Spader and, and uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue was sitting next to us. And, oh, wow. You know, a bunch of, it was in that area where the guests of the band are, you know. Right, so, yeah. You know, there was plenty of her to look at. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> <it was expensive. laughs> but that was just too much, man. And then the next day when I got to his studio, he laughed, we all laughed about it and, and had really two great days. So that record is called uh, "Be Be Here Soon." Okay. And I played percussion on that, and it's a it's a cool record. I remember it was actually we had a little badge of honor with Howard Stern reviewing it uh, after oh. it came out, just kind of making fun of it. And I was like, "Oh, that's pretty funny." Yeah. <laughs> that's great, you freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey now. Wait, sorry. Yeah. Hey, wait. Hey now. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> Rich, when you're when you're working with a Jeff Bridges or you know or a David Crosby or a Jackson Brown, like the day before, like when you're traveling to these places, are you thinking in your head, like, all right, don't be nervous. You know, this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. I mean, well, these were all, again, these were all one-off shows that were all here in Los Angeles or in Santa Barbara or in the area, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just, we weren't on tour together with these guys, but um, yeah, you're just, I'm here to do my job. Yeah. Get this done. You know, we had rehearsals. We we had long sound checks. You know, <laughs> yeah. Make sure everything was there, and then by the time we went on show, on stage, it was it was fine and seamless and great. And then we really had fun. You know, it's it seems you got to rub the elbows a little bit more than some of the people that we know that uh, with some of yeah. the bigger names that you yeah. just don't you just don't see that you know either share or right you know. Mm-hmm. comes out and she's playing but you know you only see her five minutes before right. five minutes after then she's gone you know or whatever i mean 
been been playing with Lionel Richie for as long as he for twenty years, years. Obviously, after twenty years, you do develop a yeah. relationship. But yeah. he said in the beginning, well, you know, you barely you barely you didn't see him. him you know? And then when he played with Cher, he said he rarely saw her except for when it was like sound check or three hustle. Who was this? Uh, ben Morrow. Ben Morrow is a guitar okay. player from from from, from here. Syracuse. Yeah, from Syracuse. Oh, he's from Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, his parents he, still live I, here. Yep. Um, and when he played, I if you see my, because I know you've we've communicated through Facebook. If you see my Facebook page, I just somebody posted a video of, of Jeff and I playing with Ben. Yeah. Uh, here in a, in a show he did Ben Morrow and friends and. Um, I got up and sang a Journey song, and Jeff played guitar with with, uh, ben. with ben. Yep. And somebody had posted it, yeah. and we got so many views and likes that they forty eight hundred, I think. Yeah. So they yeah. posted it again as one of the top ten video, yep. some top ten videos off oh. this guy's thing that yeah. he had been watching. So I reposted it. So I'll it, check it out. Yeah. Give it a watch. Yeah. And uh, and if it was good, say. Yeah. If I'm it's good, learn say more so. about guys from Syracuse from you guys that I didn't even know were from Syracuse because. I haven't been gone so long. I, I'm learning about, oh, I didn't know he was from Syracuse. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, those guys okay, we so- talked about earlier, um, you know, if, if you end up, you know, putting your stuff in over there, just. Okay, so all the guys. Just send, in, just send me one. All the guys. Uh, yeah. In, uh, we'll yeah, we'll like, have it back here. I'll bring it you know, when we play acoustically. And, yeah, I'll play it all the time. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> and, like, okay, for example, though, like all the guys in Ben Morrow's band, well, Ben Morrow and Friends, they're all from Syracuse, but they all live. Oh. Everywhere yeah. except you got, for you got Edgar, Goose, except for Edgar and Andy. Um, yeah, uh, Goose is from Nashville now. Goose, the, yeah, and he played with who? Did he, he played with Mike he, McDonald. No, uh, yes, um, I think he did. Tony, oh. uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Uh, John Fogerty. Uh, John Fogerty. You're Fogarty. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, he played with for like eight years. He played with something John like that. Yeah. And he's wow. from Syracuse, so living in Nashville. I love, I love hearing this. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many people. I mean, well, back when you went out, guys like Chris Goss. Chris Goss from the Masters of Reality, he moved out that oh. way. You know? And, I didn't know Chris, but when, when Vinny was playing with them, actually, that's when I signed Vinny to Peisty Symbols, was when he was with Masters of Reality back then. Such a good band. Such a good band. Ah, uh, great band, dude. Even to this day, I we we've mentioned it. We have any anybody, anybody that's even, from here in that t- time and even knows, knows the band. Him. Yeah, and you yeah. could still listen to that album, their first album. You can listen to it tomorrow, and it doesn't sound dated. No, and it's just not at all. No, no. In fact, you should tell them a story about uh, Just Joe and that other. They were on tour over in like Europe or something or Germany. Oh yeah, or he's walking by. He's walking he by, by somebody's room, hotel room, and he can hear. This guy jamming out to Masters of Reality. So Joe walks in the room and he goes, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? And the guy goes, Masters of Reality, you ever heard him? Joe's like, I'm from Syracuse. Yeah, I'm from Syracuse. And they ended up spending the entire rest of the day together just talking about Syracuse and Masters of Reality. And but the funny thing, thing is, Joe yep. never got to see the Masters no, live because he was too young. Yep. But, but I got to see him live. Because you're old. You suck. <laughs> I never, I never got to see them. Oh, dude, this used to see eight oh five all the time. But oh, eight oh five, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, we got to let the people know. Yes, that are on that have listened to the show, been on the show. That you know, Rich, 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 listened to that show. He just listened to Jeff Gordon's show. Yes, and heard a whole bunch of familiar names in yep. the background there. So, yeah. so Jeff Gordon, if you're listening, see. 
Somebody is somebody's somebody is somebody's famous is rich. Is listening to us. And <laughs> that's right. gathered that's right. all this information. That's right. You're not going anywhere with it, but Right. You listen to this. But show. just so you know. <laughs> you know, and it, what's what the wonderful part is the number of people that you knew or still know and still hang out with. Um that's gotta help you with I mean, you've got your own your own podcast, uh, the Gone Bop, uh, uh-huh. uh live on YouTube. And then you've got the uh, percussion loft, on the yeah, uh, and most of those things are more are more focused on artists within the Gombops roster. So mm-hmm, it's not sure. like I get to branch out and interview anybody, but uh, it's 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 a promotional tool for Gombops, and but, so we have you know a bunch of great people on there, but it's all people that you know within that family, you know. And for mm-hmm. those those people who don't know what a Gombop is. Give give us a, a little thirty second elevator pitch. It's because... the oldest percussion brand in the United States. They've been around since the fifties, since nineteen fifty four. They were the they were the congas on stage at Woodstock with mm-hmm. Santana. Oh wow! So they they're like the oldest brand that's from the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they kind of went away for a while and then were resurrected uh, about twenty years ago by D W. Kind of resurrected the brand and then brought it back. Um, and then that, uh, about 12 years ago, they sold it to Sabian. Now Sabian owns the brand. And that's who I, I work with um, on the Gombops side of things for them. Cool. But it's a, it's a you know, custom percussion company. They don't do anywhere near the breadth of selection of instruments that like LP would as far as how many types of instruments. But you can see this is all Gombops stuff yeah. behind me. And uh, it's, it's basically Afro-Cuban drumming stuff mm-hmm. and some a djembe and there's a few uh there's a couple of brazilian instruments um very nice very nice instruments very high quality so we mentioned ben morrow and ben's yes. out in vegas right now and like you said we, he's played with some great names for a lot of years mm-hmm. his wife yeah. is a percussionist yes uh-huh. and Maryland. i forget what Marilyn plays on stage but she plays two two beautiful congas yeah okay uh, so not sure. Not, How's he, is he like Vegas? He loves it. Loves there. it. Yeah. yeah. But he yeah. comes back to Syracuse on a regular now. Yeah. Um, and he tells us the first stop he does when he gets here. Now, you being a nice Irish boy, uh, <laughs> old man Jacaro, yeah. uh, first yeah. stop he makes is Columbus Bakery. Yep. Oh, yeah. I miss Columbus Bakery, man. Uh, I missed that place. Well, if you watch that smell, if yeah. you watch the Ben Morrow episode, he will tell you how to reheat it. We will tell you how because I told him. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I thought he did. No, he he wraps it in aluminum foil. We and with a my tiny family, bit of water. My family dipped the dipped the whole loaf with the bag in the water, and then put it in the oven because I used to ship oh. it out to Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you want us to ship you, you some out in California, pal? Bring you <laughs> I can't say no. You know what? Every time I go home, first thing I do, Columbus Bakery and Hyde's Hot Dogs. Oh, I there go, you go. I go to those two Hyde's places. Hyde's Hot Dogs. That's right. And, you know, I don't eat that much red meat anymore, but I, I'll eat a Hyde's Hot Dog. Well, there's not much red meat in there either. How, we don't know what's in there. <laughs> you don't even know what's in it. I How don't often? know what's in it. That's why, yeah. yeah. How often but, do you come yeah, back, Rich? Not often enough. The last time I was there was... 2015 it was for my uh 40th high school reunion oh okay so that was the last time i was home and i've got a bunch of good friends there still that i you know that i've known since i was a kid mm-hmm. but i miss it uh you'll get you guys will know next time i come home because i'd love to come in 
hook up with you. Yeah, I absolutely. It'd be grab great. A drink, but I, I, yeah. it's been a while and I miss it. it. It's home for me, you know? Yeah. But my, my parents are gone and my sisters are moved away. And I, the only, actually, John Mangicaro, my cousin, who's the drummer, one of the few relatives I have left there, you know? Oh, no kidding. Right. family. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to get John on now because we know. mentioned him twice. <laughs> I'm writing it down to remind myself to have him on the on the show. We're like, well, you're not as famous as your relative, but right. come on. Oh, however. You're getting me in trouble. <laughs> wow. Dick. <laughs> Go ahead. With what? You're gonna ask your. You're gonna ask a question. Oh, that one. Can you ask a question other than what's it like? Sorry. What's it like taking a shit at a Seven Eleven? No, it's horrible. You ever tried it? Ask the question. No, I don't. (laughs) I got stage fright. In the winter, I got stage. I got stage fright. I got stage fright. (laughs) I won't go into California. I won't. I bet it'll be four days. You're gonna have to. Don't even start, dude. I did ten days in Orlando. Made it. Made it till I got home. Sorry. We digress. Longest, longest bathroom break ever. Oh, <laughs> Anyhow. My mother's listening to this show. Out of going, <laughs> Michael, why? Why do you do those? Why do you yeah. say those well, things? Why do you? Or why, why do you? Out of every place, or out of all the musicians you've played with and whatnot, you had to have had a blooper or two happen to you that maybe nobody knew, but you did, or everybody knew. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So give us give us Do give us a story one or two. You know you got one. Right, I gotta think of it for a minute. Um uh as far as the famous artists that I've worked with, I I gotta think about that for a second, but I did have a, a fun one at a club in Syracuse that was uh oh it used to be um on uh, East Genesee Street and it was like a what was that club on East Genesee Tip Street? Or new. Tipperdue Tavern? No. Uh, it was a rock club uh, a long time ago. On Genesee Street. Uh, there's, a, there's like a... Man. Is it out, out I, in, in Camillus or... No, no. It, it, you know, in DeWitt, you know, going from like Thompson Road... Well, you had the Lost Horizon, you had the Paradise. Lost Horizon. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Lost Horizon, that one. I was playing there... And I don't remember the name of the band actually, but wasn't that the one with the real high stage, with a pole in the center? Pole right in the center of it. Yeah, and there was a high stage with a drop off on the back where the drums were. No, 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 no. Oh, then what was that club? That was another club there. Back in the eighties. Yeah, it was in the. No, it could have been late seventies. Anyway, it was a club in Syracuse on East Genesee Street and had a really high stage, dropped off on the back. So when you're on your kick. If you go back too far, you're going over. Right. And oh. I was the lead singer in the band as well. At one point during the show, I stood up to do some stupid thing. And the stool went first. Over I, knew, I knew right where you were going. Yeah, I went next. Yeah. Wow. So that was no fun. That, that hurt. That's great. Did you have to pop, <laughs> jump up and be yeah. like, I'm okay. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like scooted around at the side. Because I, I had to go all the way around to the, to the <laughs> stairs to get back up. Oh jeez! Oh, oh my god! That's gonna so drive stupid. me nuts trying to figure out what club that was. Right. Oh, I can't remember now. It almost looked like a. I'm trying to remember, it was like an A-frame or something. But... I think it's what. Oh, what it used to be Suburban Park. 
That's it. And it yeah. was it was it oh, was it was yeah, yeah. um before it was called Suburban Park, it was called something else. Because I saw wings there. Yes. And I met Joe English yes. there. Yes. It was um what was the name of that place? Oh, don't make me look. That's a silver bullet. No. Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly. It, it be, later became Silver Bullet, or it became Suburban Park Suburban and Country Park. Club. Yes. Uh, before it. that yep. was USA Sam's. Or Uncle That's Sam's. It. Uncle Sam's. That's it. I was trying to think of the yes. name of the place that it was near. But yeah, Chris, Uncle Sam's. Chris Stockwell's family yeah. had that. And yep. they they also owned Club 37 in North Syracuse. And, and now owned, it's an empty parking lot. Yeah, they just oh. leveled it. They leveled the Country Club. Well, Uncle Sam's, you know. Suburban, Suburban Park, Park yeah, they whoever love. wants to know what it really was. And now it's going to be a, a Chick-fil-A drive-thru. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, so you could say you played at a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I used to play this huge club. Now it's now a Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yep. They're a lot smaller. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you fell yeah. off the stage. Oh, we've all done we've that. We've all done that. Shit, Fuco's. I'm sure. Fuco's Hideaway on North Salina Street used to have to put the drum kit on the pool table, and that's all you got. <laughs> and then God, you had so you had milk crates balancing to be able to put your throne on. Oh my God! And it was the, like, it was the I couldn't imagine. Worst. No, I could not imagine that. And to think that Nick Fuco is now running the Rainbow Room, I know. And in in L.A. and his family had the Fucos, yeah. Yeah, I had to have a letter from my parents giving me permission to play that that place because I was underage, and the owner she's like watching nah. me like a hawk, you know. Kid, you're not supposed to be in here. I remember I almost <laughs> fell off the stage, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And she's like, "Don't use that language in my fucking bar." And I was like, "Wait a minute, you did? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. you did." <laughs> yeah. So oh, when yeah. you when you go to that music store again and you see Joey Fuco. Or Nick Fuco, sorry. No, you'll see Joey. That's true, too. Joe yeah. Fuco with Joe Bertalli. Yeah. Uh, DPS, you mean? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, definitely met. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, late, late 70s, early 80s, band was called Mayhem. Mayhem. They had an album out called Rip to Shreds. Um, and they, um, yeah, they went on to, Joey and Joey yep. ended up moving out to California in the, about 86 with Joe Bertalli was a singer. And they were living out oh. there, and uh, Joe Bertalli and uh, John Van Well, sorry, John Van Well was the singer. Yeah, and Joe Bertalli, Joe Fuco, and Mark Van Marder of, of, uh, was another um, guitar player. Yeah, I don't remember the bass player. I can't. Whatever, but yeah, they moved out there, and uh, who remembers their bass players? Nobody. Right. Yeah, let's tell Billy Sheehan that. Okay. Dick. Yeah, right. <laughs> One of the best right. bass players okay. around. Who's who remembers bass player? Everybody. Everybody knows him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, anyways. Well, Rich, I just got to tell you, we, we could do another hour show with you talking about any one of the onion petals that we've peeled back. I know. And, and we hope we are privileged to be able to do that. And, uh, oh, thank you. You know, we're, we're, we're going to do our, our little sign-off here and everything, but stick yeah. around because yeah. I want to get some information from you. Um, we want to figure you know, out where to send the bread <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're going to yeah. send the bread. We're going to send you a, a case of the hot, good, the bad. And the, no, I'm not sending hot dogs, man. Case of hides. <laughs> I'm not sending those. That's so funny. Those will be bad by the time they get there. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, no Trust kidding. me, the last two things I've sent someplace, 
I thought it was going to take oh, three right. days, and it took three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And had I set something perishable, that oh. would have sucked. Yeah, it would have. Yeah. For so, sure. So. No, we want to send you a good, the band, the ugly t-shirt. Yeah, because you're part of the family now. Yes. You know. Thank you, guys. And you know Thank how you Italians so are about the family. Hell, yeah. All right. So. I do. I work for them. You do. Did you guys like, see? Did you guys see Ray Romano's uh, movie somewhere in Queens yet? I have not. No, gotta see it. You're gonna so relate to it. It's it's his new movie. He directed, produced, and acted in. Okay, and it's right up our alley. It's all it's our upbringing. Oh, it's okay. so great, you guys. All right, I'm awesome. gonna hit you with one. Uh oh. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Uncle Louie Variety Show? No. Okay, so oh, Uncle Louie. <laughs> does the Italian word of the day, and he's got this character that he plays as basically based around his father, who grew up on the north side of Syracuse, Yep. that takes uh, an English word and butchers the shit out of it, and his his Italian version of it. Um, watch that. Watch okay. any of their videos. They've got over half a million followers. Okay. Uh, they've, been, Great. they've been to the West Coast and back, both on the U.S. side and Canada, they've been to Australia, but the, he's they're a good friend of the shows. Uh, Uncle Louis, uh, yep. his last name's Greco, so they're from Louis Greco. Uh, okay, but you want you want to laugh about some holy shit? Yeah, the stories okay. he tells you is like he got yelled at when he was in schools. He goes, "Teacher, I'm going to hit you with a ruler, ruler." I got hit with a fucking shovel earlier. What are you right. talking about? Because okay. I didn't take out the trash, you know. So, right. Trust me. Yeah, we we okay. yeah. Yeah, Uncle Louie Variety Show, and we're happy to plug that one yeah. on the show here. So, right on. Yeah, so stick around. We're going to sign out here, sign and we'll be here. right back to you. But yeah. don't go anywhere. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thank you. No problem, man. Thank you very much. Thank so you. that's I'm just rolling music because yeah, I have nothing it, really to say to you. Oh, yeah? No. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. We're doing the long one. Doing the long one? Yeah. Oh, the long one. You've been listening to the good, the band, the ugly. I'm Big Papa, and I'm Jeff. And you, hey, we, well, we all had the pleasure of listening to Rich Magicaro today. I imagine Carl. Yeah. What part of Italy you're from? And don't forget this weekend. Go for it. Mother Cover and Average Joe's Friday night, and the debut of Ridley Page AM yeah. Gold. AM Gold. At Ooh. the Turning Stone Casino, at the Turquoise Turquoise Tiger, Tiger. yeah, AM Gold. That's going to be good. Yacht Rock, yeah, Yacht Rock at its finest. Yeah, don't miss it. Yeah, don't miss it. Uh, and tell us how it was, because we'll probably miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. Love you, Tim. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you so As much, always, everybody. As always, Hawk Medical Supply, Sharky's Events Center, DJ Life's the Beach, Good Nature Brewery. Toffee Break Toffee, the print shop underground, and Uncle Jimmy's local live music. And Snarky Productions, my favorite. Who's Snarky Productions, Jeff? We'll find out one of these days. <laughs> I promise. Oh, Guys, thanks so much for being part of the show. And 2024, the new edition. Yeah, here we are. We've got great stuff coming up this year. And God bless y'all. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Recording stopped.